Welcome to Casting Nets. I'm one of your hosts, Pastor Dave Rudot. I am joined with Pastor Will Harley. Hello. And Pastor Dave Endorf. Hi. Hello. Pastor Dave Endorf serves at Brooklyn Lutheran Church in Brooklyn Park, uh, Minnesota. Pastor Will Harley is in a cave, but not Maribel Caves, uh, and in, in his office here. Uh, and he's surrounded by books, the things that he loves, and he is ready here to talk to, to you guys. Uh, I am. The subject that I picked, we were trying to do kind of like a book a week and just kind of t- read a book and talk about it. And for my book, I just thought, well, why don't we just read statistics? Because reading statistics for some is like reading a book. So I asked these two other gentlemen to read our statistical summary and analysis that was put out in 2022, uh, written by Jonathan Hine. 39 pages of stats and uh, analysis of, of the statistics of our synod that have been submitted, but then also an, an encouragement for a strategy for as we move forward. So we'll be talking about that today. And as we do so, we will need a disclaimer. Yeah, our disclaimer for today is is going to be wide-sweeping and all-encompassing. Um, you will hear things that are not going to necessarily be in line with the uh, the calling body uh, of the Wells uh, Synod. Not that we are going to be teaching any false doctrine or upholding any false doctrine, but we might not always agree with uh, some of the conclusions that they are making here in this statistical report, which also means then you're probably going to hear something that maybe you don't agree with, things that we say that may uh, trigger you. Um, you know, when, when Dave says, Will, do you have have a comment that should trigger you that something will be very upsetting to follow. Uh, if you are upset, please, uh, this is the beginning of a conversation. So uh, reach out to us. You can reach out to us uh, here on the chat. You can reach out to us um, through our Facebook page, through our email at castingnetspod at gmail.com. By all means, and even better, come and talk to us in person at uh, our congregations here on Sunday or whenever you can stop in uh, to let us know that something bothered you so that we can have this conversation with you and continue to have a conversation with you. But if you're triggered to the point where you just can't continue on fast, just wait a little bit, take a breather. Fast forward it if you're look, listening to it after the fact. Um, I'm sure we'll find something else that will aggravate you and uh, you'll forget all about what we had said before. So without further ado, I will turn it over to you. forgot our uh, sponsors we are sponsored by good Co- oh um we have a calendar i'm i'm really afraid for this calendar because its days are numbered <laughs> that's the dad joke that we also forgot in the very beginning but uh, today's sponsors are brought to you by uh the the good companies of good coffee and good tea um for those of you who have not had good coffee or good tea we do suggest that you go and get some good coffee and good tea and then enjoy the show so and, and where you. are you going to find good coffee and good tea everywhere that good coffee and good tea are sold that's right that's right <laughs> <laughs> Dave really is like I don't know what <laughs> I don't know what I got into. <laughs> I know there's good tea that is sold up in Alaska. Yeah. So it's sold other places too. It is sold other places. It is sold other places. 
Not many, but a couple. <laughs> All right. Before we digress any further, what are, what are we doing here? What is the point of this? Why are we uh, Why are we talking about these statistics? That was the. I have to just say that was like the longest thirty nine pages I have ever had to read. I, I I liked it because it's really addressing three um, major ma- three um, conversations that people are having when it comes to the future of the wells. You know, the problem is is that the wellsers need to make have more kids. That's a, that's that'll solve all of our problems if the wellsers uh, couples, young couples, just had more kids. Or um, the how are we going to address the pastoral vacancy situation that we have over 140 vacancies? What's how are we going to address this? And then it also addresses the the um, we don't have the people for to open new churches. Why why are we trying to do 100 missions in 10 years? So I think those are the three major reasons why I thought this was a good paper, and I think he addresses all three of those things in this uh, paper. Again, it's statistics, so statistics never tell the whole story. Uh, it just it, there are just numbers, and I think for it, when it comes to our synod uh, statistics, even though like ninety six percent of our congregations give their statistics, uh, we know anecdotally from pastors, you know, the numbers that they throw at the synod are probably not the um, exact numbers because they're just like, well, I think I had about nine people in Bible class this year, or I think we had this many people in Sunday school. Um, and, and sometimes the averages on your worship attendance or how you'd categorize your worship attendance isn't uh, factually accurate. But I do think the statistics, even though they aren't, um, they're not the gospel truth, one, and, and two, they're not telling the whole story, I think it, they are a tool that we use to be wise uh, stewards of what God has given to us as we try to use our sanctified human reason to look at the issues that our synod is facing. Well, and yeah, you know, I, I think everybody in your church and every and everybody's churches can look around and say, you know, um, we have more empty pews now than we had before. Um, and, and I think statistically, you know, when you read some of the things and they compare it to, to 2022, to, from 2022 to 2021, and you have those two years comparison, you know, you're going to have a different increase because you had you know, people still coming off of COVID, people still being closed because of COVID. And all of a sudden you have this big swell of people coming back to the church. Um, but it is an interesting thing where, where you do see the attrition probably more so than you did before, where the people who were fair weather didn't make their comeback. Um, you know, they, they, were, they were probably on the cusp of not coming already. And then COVID kind of threw that switch where they're like, you know what? The Lord didn't strike me with lightning and, um, you know, I'm still here and I'm still fine. And so they just kind of threw, threw the, the towel in on the church. I, I got to come out and I, and, and, and I think there's a lot of stuff that we can, uh, we need to talk about in this. There's a, there's a, just a ton of things that need to be talked about in this. And, and I will let you lead that conversation. But before we, we do that, I have to, I just have to air my 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 pet peeve and a little bit of my grievance um, with the entire statistical report. And this, the entire statistical report that I have a grievance is with is it it said a lot about you know preach the gospel, preach the gospel, preach the gospel. Let's get out there and 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 share the gospel message. And I that I yes, you know that is. But you're talking about the body. 
and, and this, this whole statistical report is supposed to be talking about the body of Christ. And if we're talking about the body of Christ, what sustains the body of Christ? It is word and sacrament. And not once in any of the statistical reports did it does it give the statistical report of the health of um, the sacramental use in our congregations. That bothers me. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I it, it it almost my knee jerk reaction is I don't care what your statistical report is because if you're not gathering around the altar and receiving the forgiveness of sins and the strength that comes from Christ through his giving of his body and blood for you in a physical way, your congregation will die. I mean, we're trying to follow the same practices, every reformed congregation out there that says, let's just talk a big game, but we're not going to give them any substance. The Lord gives us substance. It's called his body and blood and bread and wine. It, it's held the church together. It's held the church together. It is, making, it is making the assumption that people are, who are worshiping are receiving the Lord's suppers, but it doesn't delineate from the statistics who is receiving the Lord's Supper and how often. I know uh, personally as a congregation, I often, in every year since I've uh, been here, I've always put in, this is the number of people who have communed on a particular year. But even still, a statistic doesn't tell you the whole story. It, it just says, well, these are the number of people that have communed. It's 3,000. So if it's 3,000 versus last year, which was 2,500, what does that really say? What, what, how does that de- designate the health of the congregation when it could be 3,000 people who went, uh, the, the same people went more often, or you have more people going more often. Even that, that number doesn't uh, tell you the complete health of the congregation. I agree with you. I agree with this statistically. Go on, Dave. I'm sorry. This I'm is gonna... where I want to jump in because, you know, my issue with the statistical report is it talks about the gospel, sort of, but... <laughs> You, you can't spend 35 pages talking about statistics and then say, oh, but we have to keep the right motivation. You know, if, if you're going to assume the gospel, you, you misunderstand exactly how sinful people are. And you, you see this problem in the statistical report. You see it in Jonathan Bauer's uh, Lutheran Moment video that is referenced there that I watched last night. You know, it's all third use of the law, and and we assume the gospel, and it's not just this statistical report, but it's so much that, you know, synod leadership puts out, that, and then we try to solve the problem with third use of the law. Oh, everybody's got to go do this, and then we stand back and we're amazed. Why didn't the law produce the God-pleasing results we were looking for? Because it can't and it won't. Right. You know, if the gospel's not important enough to you to spend the first thirty-five pages on it, you've missed the point. You know, well, and that's the knee-jerk reaction, right? When 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 you look at the the decline and you look at the, uh, I'm I'm going to come back to the soapbox because because you look at this decline and you look at. Um, um, how many people are fleeing from the church? First of all, God promised us it's going to be a, a small flock. It's not going to be a mega church. Um, you know, that's that's never been part of the tale uh, of, of the body of Christ. But that being said, you know, I, there is a corollary, in, in, and I think we miss it. You know, we in the Lutheran church, we, we, we heavily believe in, in and practice the use of the keys. We practice uh, word and sacrament ministry. 
But then the first thing that we we begin to condone or abandon is word and sacrament ministry. Um, you know, let's put let's put another program in. Let's let's have another class. Let's do another thing. When when the church has has always been growing and sustained and strengthened through word and sacrament ministry, I feel my heart burdened. Come to the table and receive the gift of rest. Um, I don't understand it. Well, here it is for you, and you receive it in your mouth, and you receive it um, uh, in your ears. It, it's not one or the other. It's not one or the other. That's what I appreciated about the post-COVID sorting pages is that he reminded us that uh, it wasn't just that people, like we were saying before, was a small church that now revealed itself to be smaller after the COVID, but it was also saying that congregations are actually actively being more and more using the, the use of the keys and and that could be one of the factors why the, the numbers after COVID are the way that they are, because congregations are saying, you know, we've had these people on our books for so long. Now we're actually reaching out to them and now we're ha- reaching a conclusion for that. And so there is a, it is a designation in some way of the means of grace being used in the congregations. Sure. Well, I'm not, I'm not, and like you said, it's assuming the use. But it, it would be so much more coming back to, to um, Pastor Endorf, your your comment. Um, don't assume the gospel. Let talk about it. <laughs> and you know? that's what I feel like they I, f- I feel like that's what they were talking about when he was talking about the strategy for personal outreach that we're looking at we want to do outreach to the congregation. Actually, he doesn't, he actually, doesn't s- actually do it. In the in the and, report, and that, he probably doesn't say it specifically, but when he gave this report and on the convention floor, he did. So, okay. so I get I, I get however, that criticism. Yeah. However, I, I'm just saying that this is emblematic of so many things that that we receive as pastors. This is emblematic of, of so many solutions that come across our desk that here we think this is third use of the law and this is going to fix it. The church is run by sinners. It's always run by sinners. It's never going to be fixed. The amazing thing is, Jesus, who died for our sins, is daily washing us clean, is walking by us as our resurrected Lord to save us thoroughly, is uh, growing our faith in the Word so that we mature beyond, you know, where I was 20 years ago when I entered the ministry, you know, and, and doing all of those wonderful things. And and that's the great thing, you know, and that's what is the important thing for people to say. And, and so I'll, I'll go to that strategy of personal outreach, you know, when it comes to, you know, preaching law and gospel, you know, what's the real problem? You know, the real problem is, you know, the failure of us pastors, you know, of us pastors not telling our members, you know, when you don't invite people to church, when you don't share the gospel with them, it's because you do not fear, love, and trust in God above all things. It is because you do not love your neighbor as yourself. It's because you think you are standing firm, but you are in danger of the fires of hell. Mm-hmm. And and this is why Christ died for you, because you are, are a self-satisfied member of this congregation sitting here Sunday after Sunday who, who doesn't love 
your neighbor enough to share with them what you say you enjoy. And so God says to you, you're forgiven. And, and it's this wonderful message of being forgiven that God not only wants you to share, but he's saying you get to be his ambassador, that, that he wants to work with you, that he washed you clean with his blood. And, and he doesn't see you as, as you know, the pastor kind of sees you, this obnoxious obstacle. If they would just get it right, my ministry would be so much better. God sees you as, as holy, perfect, and righteous for the sake of Christ. And and he's saying, when when you go home and you talk to your member or your your you know, kid who doesn't come to church anymore. You know, that, that Holy Spirit that, that lives in you is going to work through the word of God that you share to, to work on their heart, to bring them back to the church, to, to bring them to heaven where you want to spend eternity with them. And that's what it means to be forgiven. And that's what it means to be God's dearly loved child. And so we have a, uh, a statistical report that says, hey, we don't do personal outreach. And, and how much of that failing is because we don't have pastors in the pulpit saying, you know, law and gospel. This is where you, the members, are failing. Well, I would also go, I, I want to take it a little step further and and really be cantankerous today and, and say that that you can you can point the finger back at the at the pastor and say okay you have not fostered this in the congregation and in some cases you may be right <clears throat> but i think i think it comes back down to to our members don't value what they have um and that's that i i that that is the hardest the hardest thing that you can ever say to somebody is to say i know you're here every sunday but you don't you don't really value it <clears throat> it's it's not of of great worth to you because if it was of great worth to you, then then it's not a matter of it's not a matter of oh let me let me go and tell you about Jesus. It's a matter of come and see, because this is of great worth. I don't I don't have to be I don't have to be John the Baptist um, with all of the answers and cry you know and and the and using the condemning force of the law to call people to repentance. I, I have to be you know I have to be Nathaniel. That's, Come and see. I, I don't have the answers, but it is of such value to me, right? It is of such value to me to 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 need you there because I want to share it with you so that you can receive what I what I have received. That it's worth something, and, and we don't have uh, it's Philip to, to Nathaniel, but it's one of those things that it's like we don't we don't our our, our people sit in the pew and and it's good for them, and and that's and they think that's okay. That it's it's just good for them, but but they're not seeing the value of no. It is good for all, and and it is better for all. And you don't have to have the answers. We we keep saying that we have to send these people out to have the answers and have the. I'm coming back down to and and, and this is maybe my own pet peeve. And correct me and and roast me on the grill. That's fine. We have looked at all of the reformed congregations. And we've said, let's do what they do, but Lutheranize it. It doesn't. I don't work. think that the statistical report says anything of that kind. And this is where you can roast me on the on the pyre. 
you know, I, I, I'm looking at that and they're like, well, let's go out there and we have to, we have to be, you know, friendly to everybody. Well, we're not all going to be friendly to everybody. <laughs> well, and and I, I would say that this is why we, we dare never assume the gospel, because the one thing that's going to change the complacency of our members and the complacency of the pastors is preaching of law and gospel, you know, and, and I need to hear that as much as any of my members do. And, and that's got to come from the, the people who are appointed as my shepherds, you know, and they can't be giving me a, a program, you know, they, they've got to be, um, you know, faithfully sharing law and gospel with me. You know, and that's the only thing that's going to change it because I am I'm just as hard-hearted and and complacent and sinful as anybody sitting in my pew, and I am as apt to forget the gospel as as they are. And so that's, that's what I'm hearing both of you guys say is the the goal is is that our the church of god should be individually preaching the gospel as well as collectively preaching the gospel and that's exactly the conclusion that john hine has at the end of the paper is that we it is, it is we need to be and that's different than the reform which would say let's have this program and let's have that program and because that's that and he specifically says that the the uh, well when he presented this at convention he said the the whole idea of an of, of thinking that there is actually a seeker out there somebody who's like looking for a church 10 years ago i i forget what the number was but it was something like maybe 55% of the christians were seeker type but now it's 5% so the the saying it well if we just put more programs and and if i define programs being the collective evangelism effort of a congregation like that's going to solve the 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 institutional problem of members in the pews that is not the solution that he is saying that that's that's not the strategy that he's advocating the the strategy that he's advocating is the strategy you, both of you guys have said which was preach the gospel in worship and invite people to come to worship and 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 make this a personal thing that you are talking and and talking to people and having relationship with people so that you can share the gospel with them and again i appreciated your comments dave because it it, it's not going to come from law it's not going to come from i have to do this otherwise my church is going to die no this is has to come from a realization of what we've been given this wonderful gift of the gospel of jesus christ and what he has done and that is right i i would say that i partially agree with you because there is that um every town or something program that he advocates for to change the culture of your congregation. Um, And, and so, you know, there's that program there to do it. I think it's less of a program and more of a mindset. No, it's definitely a program. Like there's like, this is how you should do it. Or is this just an encouragement for this is, this is how that's what I'm trying. That's no, what I'm looking. Pro- so it's show a program me that. where congregational counseling comes in for a weekend and changes the culture of your congregation. Um, but the other thing is, he he doesn't actually do it. You know, you, you can't just talk about the gospel and say this is what you need to do. It's, um, 
preach the gospel. You know what I mean? And and that's where um you know that that's where we need the leadership from. Okay, give me a second. Oh you know, it's it's The way that we okay, so so I, th- I think this is what we have here with just all three of us. We have, we have the core of the approach, which is is really what what we are seeing, and 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 we all are in agreement of that. That that the core of the approach is is the law cannot make this, an institution cannot hold this together. Um, it is only it is only the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is only His body and blood and bread and wine, the sacraments and in, in their use and the full totality of God's gifts being given that that can change and preserve and and strengthen um, a church that is in decline or a church that is in need. And I think we're all in agreement of that. I think that the the part of disagreement is, and and I have to admit, and 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 this is my own bias. I have a knee jerk reaction to to some of the strategies um, both good and bad in in some of the cases um because i think i i i think when you start saying well okay the congregation the the congregation needs to have more babies that was a strategy i i will i will firmly believe that there was a time in the wells that was the strategy have more babies and your church will grow um not necessarily a bad strategy if you can do it <laughs> Yeah. Did you did you read the report though? Because that it was saying the the childbearing kids there aren't the child. So you'd have not only he he was not advocating for more more Wellsers need to have more babies, but just the unrealistic expectation that we would have. And I agree. If Wellsers had more babies, just, it's just that the the gap of kids between eighteen and or childbearing age is is dramatically decreasing. And right. so the ones that remain have to do it that much more to, to make up for it. So it's not right. a strategy that at the wells, we, because you know, that's, what, that's what our members are going to say is that it's not my problem. It's the young people problem. They need to have more children. Right. And then, th- then that's the future of the church where the answer always is, is let's preach the gospel to our neighbors and continue to preach the gospel in our, in right. our churches. Well, and, and that's, and like I said, you know, he's, he, he, I think he rightly identifies a lot of the issues. He identifies that there was a, and you can come back to complacency and says there was the complacency within the church that said our mission field is, is pretty much all of our young people having more kids and then they'll have young people and then we'll keep, this is our mission field. And that is, that ship has sailed. I think there is the, the, the rightfully looking at the, uh, the problem with our younger kids not seeing the relevance um, but I think that relevance aspect um, comes into to I think goes back to the generation before them. It wasn't relevant to them either. Um, you know, you you go back generations, and it's in, and you have, you know, the generation of parents in the fifties. You are in church. You will sit. You will do this, and this is what you have to do. Then all of a sudden, you get that generation that that came after them, and they're like, you know what? God never struck us dead if we weren't in church all the time. But I understand that that yeah, I guess grandma, you got to keep them happy. So show up because you got to show up. And then the generation by that time after them is like, I don't have to keep grandma happy. I don't care. I'll give her a hug when I go and visit her for the, for the meal that we have on a Sunday or whatever else. And, and she can hound me about not being in church. And then I'll just like, Oh, that's grandma. And, and God doesn't do anything. So we've, what we've done is we've taken a, we've taken our people 
good, bad, or indifferent because of pastoral instruction or lack thereof, or or because of of just the climate in which we're in and the way that sin likes to continue to erode everything. But we've 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 taken it and we've said it is it is it was irrelevant already to to our our grandparents. It really was. You know, I I heard my grandma talk all the time of, well, you have to. It was the law. (laughs) The the gospel was irrelevant to her, Um, even though I know she was a Christian and deep down she she took comfort in that. Um, The next generation, it became more irrelevant. I'm tired of being told what to do. It became more irrelevant. I'm I'm tired of being of being told what to do. And and what is it? What does it matter? I'm fine the way I am. And now it's become. It doesn't matter even more because look, everybody can do whatever they want, and nothing is happening to them. Um, and so I, I I think the core of what he he's looking at is saying, yeah, we are noticing these trends. We are noticing a problem. How do you speak to that? And 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 Dave, you've been saying it over and over and over again, both Dave's and and I think myself, we've been saying it over and over again. The answer is, how do we make a relationship better with our God? But I think we also have to go and say, how do we make a relationship better with our with each other? And that only comes through what God does for us, right? And, and I would say we we've got to take it a step further and say, as believers. And, and as leaders in the church, you know, we need to we need to relax and recognize that this does not depend on us, because if we're approaching this from an attitude of, hey, the church could die out and we're not going to share a gospel of peace. You know, and the reality is God has us as part of his church not to figure it out because he doesn't need us to figure it out. He has us as a part of his church because he he washed us clean from our sins and we're his dear children and he wants to work with us. And so when we go and we share the gospel, we do it in the joy of knowing that it's going to work, you know, not the way I think it should, but the way God has it planned out from all eternity because he's in charge. And so I, I rejoice in the ministry. You know, and, and and that's the gospel that is relevant, and that's the gospel that we want to share, and that's the gospel that I never want to assume until page 35. And I get there's a difference between the report and the presentation, and, and all I have is the report. But to me, the, uh, the statistics are a footnote. If I'm going to put out something that the entire synod is going to read, I'm putting out 35 pages of this is how much God loves you. This is how much God is going to take care of us because, A, this is how sinful we are, you know, and and this is how we're going to keep screwing it up, And, and B... He he's the he rose again on the third day and he lives to save us thoroughly, and and then when we get to heaven he's going to look at us and say, "Well done, my my good and faithful servant," you know. And, and I know me, I am 
That's not me. When was I faithful? But it is. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's good cause for us to say, are we using good use of our resources? Although at the same time, Dave, I do agree with you that we don't aren't scared about the future and like and panic like this. The world is going to end now. I do appreciate that he had those three different worldviews that he was trying to address. One is just let's just have more babies. One, two, we don't have enough called workers to, to cover this. And, and three, what are we going to do about the pastoral vacancies? And so just in a systematic way, he just said, these are things structurally we can do as a synod so that these things aren't the big problem that you think they are. But at the same time, I understand your, what you're saying is that it, it has the gospel at the end because so, there's a ton of information in the, in the, in the middle uh, to help dispel some of these false notions about, well, if our, our problems will be fixed if you young people get have more children or our problems will be fixed if we... Uh, pull our pastors out of the non, non, um, non-congregational settings. So, so it was just all of those. So, and and I it, agree with you, but I, I think how we address that is by saying, you know, you people who are so attached to the building have your priorities wrong. And, and that is that is sinful, and that is separating you from God, and that is a threat not to the church, but to you. Oh, and, yeah. and you are in danger because of it, and and you need that warning. And, and but I think yet, equally, I, I agree. But I think equally on the other side, the, the 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 person who's not attached to the building, but more attached to the called worker, and saying, um, "We, the, it is our called workers who are who who must sacrifice and do and and be the point and and do all the work for us." Um, they also have to say, you know, this is hindering you. This is not hindering the called worker. It's hindering you because you are not stepping forward. And I mean, you can hit them on all sides and say, the person who loves the building the most, it's not a benefit to you. The person who's relying on their called worker the most, it's not a benefit to you. The person who is not coming to church, but thinking, you know, I'm, I'm still sharing, I'm still sharing my faith out in the world because I'm offering coffee to, to the, the people who are, are at the nursing home because no one else is going to do it on a Sunday morning. So I'm going to be there. Uh, and that's my witness. Know that there's a, there's a hindrance there for you as well. And, and I, I was just thinking as we're talking about this, maybe my huge problem with the entire thing isn't the conversation of what what are the opportunities that we can gravitate to to try to get the word out, but maybe it's the whole idea of statistics in general. Isn't there, you know, the Lord said in the Old Testament to David, don't take statistics, <laughs> don't don't take a polling of all the strong men <laughs> don't take a polling of your strength. Um, uh, and this may be where, where Will and I are on different pages because I, I think the statistics are absolutely useful, but I, I think where we, what we do with them is where I'm on a very different page. You know, I, I think what we do with them is not, uh, sh- should be, you know, a very clear application of the law. This is where we have failed. You know, this is where we as pastors need to repent. This is where we need to apply the gospel to ourselves. This is where circuit pastors need to apply law and gospel to their, the pastors, you know. um, But is it just the, you're blaming the pastors for it all. Is it always the pastor's fault? Well, um, I mean, have you lost members from your congregation? I think you do a fine job of, of preaching law and gospel. Have people left? 
character, let, there's a reason I do that, and it's intentional, and it's because I'm a pastor. I understand. You know? And so but, I don't want to spend burden, time. But, but, I, but here's the pushback, to throw the burden on the pastor, to throw the burden on the pastor and say that it is the pastor's um, lack of whatever and fill in the blank. Okay, but is it you are you are that pastor? I know you know your own deficiencies. So do I. But I've listened to your sermons. I've listened to to Pastor Rudas' sermons. Um, unfortunately, I have gone back and listened to my sermons. The gospel is there. You preach the gospel to the soul. You preach the gospel to the person, and they leave. And you don't get that adult convert. You don't have that adult confirmation. Is that your fault? And I, I would say, don't throw the weight all on you and, and, and say, well, it's the circuit pastor who hasn't done the good job of encouraging their member or the, the other pastors, or it hasn't, it is not, the pastor didn't do a good job of doing their job. Sometimes they did. And a lot of times they do. And, and I would agree with that. I'm just trying to put myself in the, in the position of, you know, if I were addressing you know, top down, you know, how do you do that? So why don't you put yourself in the position of the listener? The listener of our podcast? No, the listener of, of the person sitting with their butt in the pew, because you're encouraging, Hmm. you know, we as a pastor are saying, well, go out there and share with this one person. When was the last time you did that as a, as not a pastor, but as a Christian? See, there's where the issue is. The issue isn't necessarily with our pastors aren't preaching the gospel or our pastors aren't doing this or their pastors aren't putting in the work. Maybe we're not spending enough time saying, I'm one of them. And and just like I'm encouraging my members to go out and invite one person, I haven't as a person of Christ, as a body, as part of the body, not as a pastor. I see what you're saying. Yeah. And, and I would agree with that. Yeah. And I, I guess I, I was considering more the context of we're here discussing the statistical report. And, sure. and so this is what I would um, want from a statistical report or what I would want from this is the type of law and gospel leadership that I would apply to the this is also why I should never be a leader. <laughs> I think you're a fine leader. I think God placed you exactly where he, he wanted you to be to do the work that he has. But I think, and, and I think you're 100% correct that, that, that we as pastors, sometimes it's not, our, our failing isn't in what we're saying. Our failing is that we are not placing ourselves in the pew. Because whether we are, whether we are pastors and leaders, that is besides the point. We are still all learners. We are disciples at the feet of Christ. And so when we're preaching that sermon and we're saying, well, you, you haven't gone out there. I should be of, I should have preached that to myself already. And, and I, as a disciple, as I, as a, as one who's in the pew, who have already heard the sermon throughout the week, this is my shortcoming. My shortcoming is I, as pastor, should not have been going out there and doing this work, but I, as a member of the of the church, should have and didn't. Yeah. You know, um, because it's very easy for them to say, yeah, pastor, you should have been out there. <laughs> Where's the 10 people you were supposed to bring in today? Um, but if I if I go out and meet one and you go out and meet one and, and, and they go out and meet one, um, well, now you have your 10. 
or you're 20 or you're whatever, but because we're all the body of Christ working together, not one over the other. That's a, a different thing completely. I, I understand we're talking about statistics. Let's bring us back to the conversation, Dave. Well, I do know that the other Dave uh, wanted to talk about schools. And what, so we've, we've talked about generally in speaking our reaction to the statistical report. We've rehashed more than once uh, the intention that was given behind uh, the statistical report. We've talked about the importance of the gospel that uh, not let, not, this is a tool, just as reason is a tool. As we look at our, our ministries, this is, as we look at the numbers, it isn't telling us what to do or how to do it. It is just saying this is, the, to a certain extent, the, what we are looking at and dispel some of our reasons that it may be that way and, it's, and encourages us, even though it's on page 35, does encourage us to be uh, gospel preachers, both in the pulpit and in our communities, to have a, a real presence in the in the people's lives around us. But there was some stuff in there about the schools. So, Dave, what did you want to talk about with the schools? And I, I think this is where you're right about the statistics needing context. And, and I think the context, especially in our synod, goes back, you know, a very long time because. Um, you know, there have has been this long standing faction among the clergy that says, you know, the schools don't work. They don't bring in members. Um, the, the we graduate the kids and then they don't stay in their church. And so we have a a section of pastors who don't don't work with schools the way they should <laughs> and, and I, I think then when we're looking at the the statistics it becomes kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy sometimes you know it why doesn't the school bring in members because the pastor doesn't think it's going to work so he spends his time someplace else sure. you know and the the um you know, and this is where Commission on Lutheran Schools, you know, uh, some teachers have, have done graduate work in looking at how to do outreach through schools, you know, and it, it's about, you know, they can work as, as outreach vehicles. It's about, you know, do we actually love the people we're reaching out to or are we trying to outsource our outreach to the teachers and, and we kind of hope we can just pay the teachers to do outreach and then the members won't have to. You know, if you're trying, if the congregation's outsourcing their outreach to the called workers, you shouldn't expect that to work. So, so can I can I add a little caveat in here? I I have a school and I have one of my teachers who's very very all of my teachers this year are are very uh, self aware and I think very in tuned with with their desire to share Jesus within their classrooms. Um, but it was my principal who said. Um, what makes schools a challenge for outreach is that schools by their very nature are set up around the law that, and, and so to, to make a school an outreach to share the gospel where you're forgiving and you are, um, and you're, you're trying to, to wait heavily on the work of our sins being forgiven in Christ is very difficult because he says there are times where, you know, you're telling the kids what to do 
all the time. <laughs> and, and there is, you're, you're giving grades that are saying, this is your performance. Um, and, and, and he, and I'm not saying that, and he didn't say that, that the gospel cannot still be there, but he says, this is what makes this the challenge because you, and, and how parents even approach it. I send my kids to school. You tell them what to do and they do it. Um, that's how that is supposed to work. And that's different fundamentally than, than what we would want to say is for the gospel outreach, right? Uh, we want to focus on this is what Christ has done. Um, and there is nothing you can do. And, and school is a counter to that in some respects. So I, th- I think that's an interesting, I felt that that conversation with the statistics was a very interesting conversation, especially with the changing demographic, because we're having something is going on in our schools by and large that other people are seeing as I want, but I don't think it's what we think it is, if that makes any sense. Right. No, I agree with you. And I, I think that question about how we run our schools is a, a very good one to spend a lot more time on than we have. Sure. Um, but when it comes to, to schools as outreach, you know, un, until we're willing to address those two items, you know, of what is the pastor's involvement and what is the pastor's attitude toward the school and what is the congregation's attitude toward the school and outreach, the statistics aren't going to show much. And that's the problem we run into. And that's where, um, you know, again, we need the the proper application of law and gospel. Well, and it goes Um, a long way. It goes a long way when you have um, parents that have brought their kids through the school um, the natural tend is as soon as they hit that, that marker where they leave, they're gone. And, and everything that they had done while their kids were involved, they leave. And, and it's like, well, I'm done. My kids are out. There's no benefit to that anymore. Um, it's, uh, it, it, that is the hard thing that I've noticed in, in actually running the school is that you have these people, you have these younger, younger families that do come in and they're looking for places to be involved, but they don't know. And, and that, and I love how you're saying, because it's true that if you have a core or not even a core, I would say if you have the members of the congregation who are saying, you know what, we're going to intentionally make this school our outreach, which is fine. That's great. Then be in the school, be making those relationships, be talking with those families, be sharing the stories of, yeah, when my kids were coming here or, Hey, you know, you signed up for whatever, I'm going to be there and I want to help you. And what can I do? And they start making those inroads into, this is a community instead of just uh, one entity versus another entity that seems to fund them. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and I totally agree with that. And and I think that gets then to your point of, you know, why do they tend to leave after their kids graduate from the school? Because it, because they've got to love the people. And, and they, and that comes again from law and gospel that I, I have a chance here, not just to help my kids get to heaven, but I have a chance here because I am forgiven and God's dearly loved child to store up for myself treasures in heaven in this young family who I don't really know. 
I, I, I may not even spend much time with them uh, in the future, but I get to help them get to heaven. And someday we're going to talk about what it's like that we we all both sent our kids to church in Maribel. And, and that's, Absolutely. that's what's important. And that's God-pleasing. You know, Absolutely right. When, Can, go when you have that, you know, that's... Um, you know, that's our goal as, uh, you know, Lutheran pastors is to apply law and gospel so that they love each other and, and they serve one another because that's God pleasing. Right. So uh, can I give you some statistics just to show you some context to what both you guys were saying? And sure. uh, this is the number of students in our Wells Elementary Schools where you can see, um, I'm going to make this a little bit bigger. Here you go. So you have from 2011 to 2012 to 2021 to 2022. So the dark blue there are students belonging to the Wells Church operating the Lutheran Elementary School. The uh, gray area are students who belong to another Christian church. So that's what some, some, something that uh, Will was saying, how uh, our schools are increasing through people coming from other uh, religious backgrounds. And then there is an increase in students who are unchurched also coming to school to our schools in 2021 and 2022. Same thing is true for our early childhood ministries, where you've, you see an increase of uh, members. Again, dark blue is members. The gray is from other uh, Lutheran sources. And then the, the light blue is from students who are unchurched. The one statistic that he gave that was... Um, that proves or underlies the point you guys were making where you just can't have these institutions and just expect them to grow your church is this one right here, where if you would look at the, uh, the dark blue is the total youth educated related adult confirmations and the total non youth uh, education related adult confirmations. And in throughout that same period, you don't have the same number of adult confirmations going up. If you have more kids involved, more kids in your school system, more kids in your early childhood, wouldn't you see more adult confirmations? And I think that illustrates the points you guys were both saying, is you just can't have these institutions, but also the relationships of individuals in those interactions, gospel interactions between members and those individuals, and also between called workers and those individuals. And is and again, the question that Dave was asking, is that the burden you want your called workers to bear uh, to be doing that gospel ministry when it really should be um, members doing more of that gospel uh, sharing with each other? Well, and and when it comes back down to it, it, it you know, it's the transition of, of and you've said it before, um, Pastor Rudat, that that, that the Lord does not bring us uh, into faith and then leave us alone. He brings us into faith and he puts us into a body. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've said that way before a few uh, a previous podcasts and, and such a beautiful thing to think about, you know, the different parts of the body are at different levels, right? You know, our fingernails are growing all the time, but yet, um, you know, our hearts are, are, you know, maybe getting older. Um, they all work together and, and one of the things that we are trying to do, I know in Maribel, is we're trying to, to foster that school, church, uh, early childhood, 
we got we to gotta mix this melting pot together and we got to get these parents in with the older generations who have already raised them. And we've got to get the, the mid people that are going through some of the things in with the, the younger families that are just starting out because the easy part is, is once they use it, they throw it away. It's done. It, it, I, I sucked it dry of what I needed it for. And then I've moved on. And, and we don't want that to be what the church is. The church is not a, a not something that you just use for your convenience, but it is something that is life giving and it is it is life sustaining. Um, and and that's a hard thing. I mean, statistically, you can see that there's a shift, and there is there's a huge shift um, between uh, what used to be and what is now. And 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 that does. Take into consideration, you know, most of our LESs are like, we're going to teach confirmation when they get into, you know, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. I don't know if, I mean, I have, I have a student already in my, in my sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, maybe even two that are like, I'm not going to get confirmed because they're not of the same faith persuasion that we are in the wells. But does it, how does that, like I've said in my teaching, I said, I'm not, I'm not doing this for you to be confirmed. I'm, I'm doing this to share Jesus with you. And if, if you leave this classroom with knowing one thing is that Jesus has died for your sins and you needed it <laughs> and he, and he did it. So. I just want to piggyback on that because I, I think this is one of the things that the, the school memberships st- or outreach statistics miss is that, um, you know, they're measuring the wrong thing. Because our goal is not church membership. And if Pastor Harley, um, you know, sends out every year, you know, three three graduates from, from Maribel who, uh, you know, are, are better prepared and, and more biblically literate and have that internal growth who who go to a church that's a different denomination, but they get to be better Christians, and they get to help keep that church on the straight and narrow, and, and God uses them there, that's a win. That That is a success. That is God-pleasing. And that's not going to be in the statistics. And and so, yes, we use them to, to do as good a job as we can, but you know, sometimes we, we have to step back and recognize the statistics are measuring the wrong thing. And I don't know how we can measure the right thing with the statistics. And then the the one thing I would also add is, you know, we, we kind of pay, I want to more than just pay lip service to internal growth. You know, that, that members grow when they hear the word. You know, that, um, you know, you, you have these members who have gone through, you know, high school in Christian education and okay, maybe it didn't result in an adult confirmand, but you know, you know, you can rely on them to serve on the council and to give faithfully and to do all of those things. And and it never shows up as an adult confirmand, but you know, those aren't their gifts and they're not that part of the body of Christ, but the church couldn't function without them. So so can I ask I, a question? I, I would just res- would like to respond to that. Sure. Well, yeah. And then I'm going to ask one question if you would let me. <laughs> I might. 
Um, <laughs> it depends how many triggers I got left. Um, <laughs> I, I, I get what you're saying, Dave, that it, it, a statistic doesn't say everything and it doesn't, uh, you can't, you can't uh, measure the impact of the gospel on a person's life. I just, I, I thought that, that was telling, and I get what you're saying, we're not meant to grow the visible church here on earth. But I did like how it was helping us evaluate what both of you guys have said before. Just because you have a school or just because you have to have you have a early childhood, therefore this is um, this is how your your church this is how you're gonna share the gospel. Is this real are you actually sharing the gospel in those locations? Both of you guys have said schools struggle with because it's so law based. And so I thought the statistic was good and opening our eyes to say if if we have a school, let's not just assume that the school is doing the work for us. That it, it that it's uh, yes, it's preaching the gospel in a limited way. But are we doing all we can to get these the gospel to the families that are attached to the school? Or like as Will was saying, are we just allowing these parents just to use us for that Christian education and then not see a community that they want to be involved in because nobody has talked to them and said we want you part of our community or we want nobody has engaged with them in a meaningful way. In a, in a spiritual way. So that's why I liked the, the support and the report, and I did appreciate your comments, Dave, about it doesn't tell the whole story. Statistics never tell the whole story. I think we started the, the podcast with that. The statistics don't tell us the whole story, but they do give us some context as to where are we at, and it does answer in sometimes some of the misconceptions we have of the problem that we're facing. And I agree with you. I, I, I think it's, it's um, you have to be intentional. And, and I think that's the, the statistically from what we're seeing is you have to make your ministry intentional. Um, how do you make your ministry intentional and, and how do you, how do you put yourself into, in, in some ways, put yourself in the way so that you are, you, you're, you're going to share the gospel. Um, that being said, I, and where's and, your question? You can have your question now. Yeah. My question was page 27. You know, he, he's talking about how the differences between the, you know, the congregations and the, the congregations that are um, doing better um, and, and things of that nature. He says, uh, um, you know, approximately 40% amounts to, uh, uh, you know, 1500 visitors. So, so 40, he's talking about, um, 40%. Imagine if only 40% of unchurched and unbelieving individuals who are invited would say yes. So if you would invite people and only 40% would show up out of all of the membership that we have, you know, that would be doing this work, that would be 1500, uh, 15,000 visitors. But he, he, the part that I have a question on is, he says, now imagine the church follows up on those guests and a pastor encourages them strenuously to enroll in the Bible information class. I, I guess my question is more on a practice aspect. Um, is that good practice to push? I'm not saying don't offer it. I'm not saying, hey, when you're ready, Let's have a conversation. But is it is it good practice to push that that type of thing? I guess that's my question. And and I kind of I kind of raised my my eyebrow at that when I was reading over it that that, oh, what if we strenuously, you know, I mean, we used to have a policy in our school, just backtracking a little bit, we used to have a policy in our school that says, hey, we're gonna charge um, you're going to get charged four thousand dollars to send your child here, but if you become a member, we're going to drop that to a thousand dollars. 
I mean, I consider that to be strenuous encouragement to get into Bible information class, but it didn't change. <laughs> I mean, there, there was no, <laughs> it didn't, it didn't actually get them involved. It just says, well, we went through Bible information class. We said yes on the dotted line. And, uh, and now I got a, I saved three grand. Um, whether, whether an individually st- strenuously invites or regularly invites, it's just still what he says in the first sentence of the next paragraph. It, all the work is, is the result of the Holy Spirit. So I guess if it's, and, right. and I think, I get what, I, that I get what both, what you're saying, Will, about uh, statistics being used to forecast the future, that that's where we're really getting into um, dangerous territory because it is always the, the gospel. And if we start saying, uh, statistically speaking, this is going to happen, then we're speaking for the Holy Spirit, which we should not do. I think what I do appreciate about the report is the idea of are we is leading us to ask that question are we doing everything we can if we're doing everything we can the numbers don't matter if we're doing everything we can to, to reach out with the gospel the numbers aren't going to matter but are we doing everything we can right and and that's and yeah and I think and, we're all in a yeah and, so uh, how do you do it better which is really ultimately the question of the strate- uh, the the strategies that he's trying to 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 sort of th- float out there is can we do it better and what would it look like? I did appreciate that he didn't say, well, your congregations as a whole have to do more like a more corporate evangelism. I did appreciate the this is a a personal thing. This is a this is a, a Philip to Nathaniel or Nathaniel to whoever Phil Andrew to Peter type of thing that worked in worked i put that in quotes uh in the past and will continue to work because god has called us to be witnesses of of the gospel to our neighbor no i'd agree and and that's i I think we can all end on on kind of understanding that there's different aspects of this report i spent less time on the the numbers because your eyes get fuzzy after a while. And I'm, I'm looking at some of the strategies and, and I don't know if I a hundred percent agree in all of them. Um, you know, I am very much, I like small country churches and I don't want to see them close. Um, but I understand what he's saying, you know, can we do ministry better and how do we do ministry better? Um, and both, both Dave's, you know, you guys, you have always, um, Dave Rudat, I have, I've seen you in your ministry more than, than, you, Pastor Endorf, but um, from just talking with you, Pastor Endorf, I can see that you guys are always striving to find new ways to do it better. Um, how can I? How can I share the gospel better? And so I appreciate learning at your feet today and getting an idea of what some of your thoughts about how to do this better and what the focus is. Um, I don't always agree on everything. I'm that way, but um, I did appreciate learning at your feet. So thank you for that. I think the best thing that you can can learn from me is, uh, you know, really from my example, that that you you look at me and you say, God can use that guy. He can use anybody. <laughs> and music. <laughs> Real life, living faith. We didn't talk uh, cover all of the aspects of the strategies for um, that he proposes. Maybe that'll be for another podcast. Um, but anyway, yeah, God can use Dave Endorf. God can use you as you share your real life 
living faith with your neighbor, and uh, as we as a as a church body share the good news of Jesus, let it always be about the gospel ministry and not about what um, us and and our efforts.